0: This is Sports Best presented by Reposted on the Reposted Podcast Network, coming at you like an unsolicited job offer to work in the mailroom from someone that found your CV on Indeed. I am Andrew, I'm not going to take the job, Keller, and he is Larry, trolling the internet Olson. Larry, how many job offers have you sent out this week?
1: I'm not saying a lot but i'm old enough to remember working in the mail room where you send those little put those little things in the thing and they suck it right up to the 10th floor uh, i'm old yeah. enough to remember that we used to do that
0: yeah they, i i remember going to the bank with my grandma and oh, uh, yeah. i'd be like i'd love and then i'd make sure that they could see me on the camera so that they would put a lollipop in um i i literally right before we logged on i got an email saying after careful review of your CV online, we would like to offer you a job in our mailroom. You can make up to $20 an hour. Please respond if you're interested. And I wrote him back. I was like, tell me more. So $20 to work in the mailroom. I'm in. More to come on that. More to come on that. So moving on, I want to talk to Donald. He joined us today because he went to the Final Four to support Baylor. Donald runs the Right House Group of Compass Real Estate in Dallas. If you're looking to buy or sell a home at DFW, go to righthousegroup.com. Donald, you have been a Baylor fan, maybe your whole life. You grew up in Houston, you went to Baylor, you were at the final four. Maybe just real quick, can you tell us how you ended up at Baylor from Houston?
2: You know, it's actually, I wasn't my first choice of school. Um, was it Notre Dame? <laughs> I won't say, my first choice was Texas, oh. but I wasn't allowed to go there because I, my mom wanted me in a um, didn't want me in a big city in college. So, <laughs> well, today Baylor
0: or Waco is still a small city. Anyway, so yes. we were we've been talking about the bubble and college basketball for months, and you know firsthand. I mean, what was it like being in the bubble of the thing, and also seeing a game at Lucas Oil Stadium? Maybe just what was your experience like for those last two games?
2: It's pretty interesting because, like, it's—I um, mean, it was different because you know you, you normally expect to see a lot more people um, in the in the host Cities, and this one, you know, it was, it was in Indianapolis, and there were a lot we, there were a lot of Baylor fans there, um, which was surprising. I thought there would be more Gonzaga, um, and so it was it was different, but it was still pretty good. Like, I mean, you know, we were still able to go out and do things, um, but the players were kind of like quarantined in. They're in a separate hotel. Um, they, they had security around the hotel. So, like, I mean, you couldn't get in or out unless you were – it was like four ducks. So, it was pretty secure for them.
1: You know, this is a really an amazing story, which I don't think we got that much on TV because you're the big Baylor fan. Scott Drew took over this program, and a player had murdered someone. And yes. the old coach is saying, hey, cover it up and say he was a bad guy and a drug dealer. Just sort of paint the picture of where Baylor was –
2: when Scott Drew took over? Oh, wow. I mean, that was, um, it's amazing that that was, I mean, I say only, that, that was about, I 20 years ago when yeah, that all happened?
0: Three, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so it was, um, we're in the dumps. It's so, like, I mean, we didn't even know if we would even have a basketball program again. And I remember when Scott was hired at Baylor and he kept you know, talking about how they were going to build a program and make it contend for the national title. And we were all just like, <laughs> very funny. <laughs> <laughs> i remember i went I, I went to the first game it was in washington dc when we made our first the first time we made it to the ncaa tournament and i don't even remember when that i think it was an 08, maybe i don't remember but i remember going to the game and we we're excited we just decided to be there and i think we lost in the first round but it was like our program was dead and all of a sudden we're in the you know win the, win the tournament so it was like pretty pretty exciting
0: yeah, I mean, they, during the game on TV, they they played a clip of his press conference. He's like, I'm not here to win NCAA games. I'm here to win. The... I mean, I feel like every coach says that. And if your coach doesn't say that, maybe you shouldn't hire him. It, it looks great looking back. But... <laughs> yeah. So did you have to sit next to cardboard cutouts or, I mean. You know,
2: that's another thing that was different is that everything was sectioned off so that you, you, you could have four seats, and then you have to have separation, four more seats, um, it was every other aisle. And so it was – so we weren't all close together, which I prefer because, like, I mean, it just, it just adds to the excitement, and it, it's louder when you're all together like that. And so it was It was still loud, but it was just – I wish that more people could have been there to see it. So,
1: I love these teams in the NCAA tournament that make team runs. There's no McDonald's on American on Baylor's team. There's no top 50 recruits. Scott Drew's got this great pedigree as a coach, his dad was a coach. Just a, like a really great team run through the tournament.
2: Yes, it was. And, and that's the – I think the coolest thing about our team is that we really don't have a star, so to speak. Um, we just have like just a bunch of players that they love each other, they work hard, and they play very, they, they play very well together. I mean, it's, it's a true team. And one of the things that was really interesting, like leading up to the final game – if you watched ESPN, I mean, everything was about Gonzaga, 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 and nobody was talking about Baylor at all, and as a fan, it kind of ticked me off and went like, wait a minute, what about us? You know, we've been saying, you know, us us play all year, and I mean, obviously, like, you know, Gonzaga, they were undefeated, and, you know, I mean, of course I'm biased, but I went to that game thinking that we were going to win the game, and I thought it would be a close game, but I think, I, I thought that you know we had more depth in our team and I thought that it was gonna be a game that will come down to who had the ball last and I liked our chances in that situation because Gonzaga's never been in a situation like that, whereas we had. And so um, no
1: offense, but listen, yeah. we haven't had a perfect basketball team in forty years. I you get got it. A, that <laughs> narrative. I mean, like, right? I mean I mean you would expect that the country's rooting for them to win because we want yes. to see
2: that. Yes. I get it. And and so and, and that part I, I can appreciate. But as a Baylor fan, I mean we it, it was it, it was a certain level of disrespect that it was all about Gonzaga. And here we are, you know, we've got eight players on our team that could really start for any team in the country. And no one was talking about us. And so it was, you know, we, I, I mean, I personally took it as a disrespect as a player. I'm sure they did. But, but again, the, the thing I loved about that team is they weren't going to say that out loud, but you know, they, they all thought it, thought it, but they weren't going to say that.
0: So I've said this on the show before and you might not like it cause you're a Baylor fan, but you might understand it. Growing up, Baylor was like the little stepbrother of Texas sports. Yes. And I feel like, was this the milestone that's going to put them ahead of Texas or AM and or, or tech or even OU is a school
2: or is football the only yard? Uh, I mean, it's Texas. So, you know, Texas is a, it's a football state for sure. And you know, I would love to see Baylor get up there. But, like, I mean, I mean you, to be you know, to be quite honest, you know, when it comes to football, you know, it's like, um, you know, in, I mean, in Texas, I would say it's Baylor. But in the Big 12, you know, it's, it's like we're all chasing OU. You know, OU is the one that wins all the all the football championships. And so when we look at, like, just overall sports programs, I didn't realize this until Scott Drew said it the other day, but, like, 14 of our 17 programs are ranked in the top, 25. Wow. And that's pretty fascinating when you think about just a small private school in, in Waco, Texas, that is able to do that. So it's, it's it's awesome.
1: Hey, Donald, not to be the party pooper here. You yeah. just mentioned small private school in Texas. Scott Drew has this great pedigree. He takes Baylor to the national championship. Now, if Kansas comes calling or UNC, like you tell me, Scott, you guys are going to be able to keep Scott Drew this amazing coach.
2: I hope we can keep him. Um, I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, I said that about Matt Rule too. I, I thought we would keep him forever. Um, and he even said he was going to be here for the long haul. And, you know, I found out, you know, <laughs> like everybody else did that he, you know, <laughs> he went to the Panthers. So, I mean, Scott's been here for 18 years and he, I mean, he built this from, I mean, we were just rubble. He built it from the ground up. And I hope he stays. For another 15 years. I mean, who knows? I mean, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, it, it's, it'll be hard to walk away from what he has because about, I think we're losing two players from, from this current team. And we've got players that are on the bench that, again, nobody knows about them except for us in Waco, but they're studs. And we got a you know, good recruiting, recruiting class coming in and it's going to be pretty amazing. So,
1: this has been a monumental interview for me because I've never met a Baylor basketball fan. You're the first one I've ever met. So, this has been great. <laughs>
2: Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks, John. You're
1: welcome. Yeah. Andrew Keller. I feel like we were literally just talking about the first no hitter in baseball. And then guess what? We got the second no hitter in baseball just five days after Padres pitcher Joe Musgrave threw a no hitter. White Sox lefty Carlos Rodon came two outs away from a perfect game, but held it together to throw the second no hitter of the baseball season. He lost a perfect game Obviously, you saw this by hitting someone by hitting a batter in the ninth inning, but he threw 114 pitches. One of his last pitches clocked in at 98.8 miles per hour, so he was like, Deal it at the end of the game. He's the sixth pitcher to throw a no hitter with the sole blemish coming on a hit by pitch. Go ahead, Carlos Rodon.
0: As a baseball fan, at what point is it? a lost perfect game for you if is it past the eighth inning is it past the seventh inning like because if you walk someone in the first inning and you pitch a no hitter that's amazing and you celebrate but if you're so close to a perfect game and you lose it in the ninth it's tragic um so what do you think the mason dixon line of that is
1: Ooh, that's a great question i was really impressed that like you know perfect game's a big deal you blow that and then you regain the composure to go ahead and then throw the no-no
0: yeah, I mean that's really impressive. I don't. I think it was like seven or eight years ago. Do you remember there was a, a perfect game and there was a close call at first base on the final out? Yes. And the umpire missed it. Oh. Yes. That's a an infamous one. I
1: you think. know what? Um, I will say this. I feel like if you sneak through the story of this Carlos uh, Rodon no hitter last night, baseball superstition. He had to go to the bathroom like after the fourth inning or fourth or fifth inning but he was throwing such a he was throwing the perfect game so he's like I can't go. So he literally held it because he didn't want to break baseball superstition.
0: There's a lot of that. Speaking of superstition, if you were watching the game, any game oh. live and and someone said, I think he's got a no hitter going, would you be upset like do you buy into that superstition that you're not supposed to talk about it? Would you would you dump your beer on him?
1: Listen, if my kid turned to me and he was watching the White Sox game last night and said, I think Rodon's gonna throw an inter- I would have slapped it across the face. <laughs> I would have slapped the bob, right? Boom! You just ruined it.
0: Yeah. I did that with Matt Kane. I was like, oh, he's got a no-hitter going. Someone's oh. like, oh, it's a perfect game. And then he pitched the perfect game. It
1: was oh, like, you didn't blow it.
0: Yeah. We started coming up with uh, real, real silly sayings like, Yes, we can. We <laughs> can do it. It was it was fun. I think oh. we're just on a pitching kick because. Oh, Uh, the uh, Corbin Burns with the Brewers struck out 10 against the Cubs in his last outing. He is 30 strikeouts, no hits in his last 18 and a third innings, which I'm sure, you know, is the first pitcher to do that since 1906. Um, That's very interesting. I know you put that in there because it's a stat, but (laughs) back to my, the first story, what point do you even make this announcement? Because Uh, if you pitch five strikeouts with no hits, are you the first pitcher to do that since 19? Like, at what point does that become a stat? Is it after 18 innings? Is it after 15 innings? No one knows. That's the beauty of baseball stats is there's a unique... Here we go. Baseball stats are like snowflakes. No two are the same. You
1: know what? I hope we get through the entire baseball season and every week we get some inane stat. That just crawls right in your hiney and bugs you just a little bit more.
0: Well, I mean, that's that's uh, very easy to make a reality because baseball is <laughs> full of those things. He's a first. Say, you know, they say you go to a baseball game, you might
1: see something you've never seen before. That's like you can't go to a football game and do that, but you can at a baseball game.
0: Yeah, you know, Tim Lincecum in 2009 was the first pitcher to throw a two-hit, six-inning game with the flag at half-staff. Are you there serious? You there you go, yeah. Baseball stats, baby. Baseball stats.
1: I once went to a baseball game and ate a hot dog for the first six innings, so I had six hot dogs. Oh, does that count?
0: Yeah, I mean that probably gets you a little bit backed up. <laughs> oh. what, what do you bring? I bring uh, sunflower seeds. Is my thing for baseball games. I liked I like going to Safeway across the street from is it AT and T now? I don't even know what it's Oracle. called. It's Oracle from Oracle, Pac Bell, AT and T, whatever. And uh, I love that you could bring food in, and I would get sunflower, regular sunflower seeds. I feel like you're probably, well, I don't know what you are. Are you? A I go, uh,
1: I go uh, peanuts. I go to the Walgreens and grab two dollar, want two one dollar bags of peanuts and bring that in Walgreens, every day. Go Going to
0: Safeway is closer. There
1: you nah, go. Walgreens because on my way from work to the park, right? Oh, I like yeah, this Walgreens. You work lady.
0: By Walgreens, there you go. All
1: there my stalkers go. out there. I work by the Walgreens near uh, Oracle Park.
0: Baseball tips.
1: Uh, Jackie Robinson week in Major League Baseball on the 15th. They always celebrate Jackie Robinson Day in 1947. He made his debut for the Brooklyn Dodgers, which have since relocated L.A. He made his debut. Yeah, thank you. 26,000 fans in Ebbets Field in New York, becoming the first African-American player to feature in the majors. He was a rookie of the year in 1947. He was a six-time All-Star, 10 seasons in the MLB, won a World Series I love that baseball does this. Everybody in the league wears Jackie Robinson's number for one day. Actually, they're going to do it two days this year on Thursday and Friday because some teams aren't playing on Thursday. But very cool that they still celebrate Jackie Robinson.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. It's Yeah, I think it's something that's important to continue to look at. But, again, it's something that I I can't really imagine, like not being able to do something and being so good at it that you were able to break the barrier and – I don't, I mean, I don't, I honestly don't think I could fight through the adversity that he did to be able to play. So I, I think it's great. They still celebrate it.
1: Well, I mean, I, this isn't a visual media, but me and you are both wearing the number 42 as, record, as we record this podcast in yeah. honor, Mr. Robinson.
0: Yeah, I actually had a serious conversation with my tattoo artist about getting one, <laughs> ended up not deciding to get it because it's just not my actual number. So I'll just wear it as a t-shirt are you
1: people. still using mori our favorite tattoo artist or do you go somewhere else
0: i yeah that's who i talked to but actually mr cartoon was someone i was talking with oh. to maybe kind of okay. get a, a little bit more la flair to it but okay again cool. don't really have time for that right now but i do <laughs> i do i am thinking about getting my olympic rings on my ribs which yes is important. we've been talking about it for over a year but the 2020 olympics are still happening Note that it's still called the 2020 Olympics because they can't <laughs> reprint all the signs. Uh, it, is, it is creeping up on us in less than 100 days. The Olympics in Tokyo are going to be from July 23rd through August 8th. And there's kind of a scramble to figure out how they're going to bubble this whole thing. The IOC did announce that they will not allow international fans at the games. They will not require athletes to be vaccinated this story uh, talks about how Japan has only had 9,500 deaths, but they've kind of been slow to roll out the vaccine. And as you know, I like looking at numbers. 9,500 people is 0.00007% of their population, uh, as opposed to the U.S., who has had almost 600,000 deaths, but we're at 0.002% of our popul- population. Well, come my eye on the story, which is I feel hard to believe.
1: We're one we're within 100 days of the Olympics. The 2020 Olympics, we're within 100 days.
0: I love it. I will see how all this makeshift training has paid off Are people going to I would guess fewer world records or Olympic records get broken this year, but who knows?
1: You know what the lead up to the Olympics is always the finals like they have to do the US finals for track and field, they have to do the US finals mm-hmm. for swimming like we don't even know who's going to the Olympics for lots of sports from the US yet.
0: Yeah you do the trials and yeah, we'll see. I think the Olympics are interesting because I always watch the first like week and then it kind of trails off. I'm like, are the Olympics still on? I don't know if that's how you feel, but uh, it's kind of always like, Oh,
1: I just think it's interesting that like, you know, this has been going on for so long, right. Or did they do the trials and they know who's going to the Olympics? I don't even know if I'm saying that.
0: I don't think they've done the trials yet. No.
1: Because like, just imagine for like this prolonged two years, you're some crazy butterfly swimmer. And you've been thinking you might make the Olympics, and then you don't make the Olympics. Right before, so you've been training for two years, and then you don't make the
0: Olympics. Well, I mean that's how it always happens. Even if there wasn't delayed a year, you you think you're going to be in it. You think I mean you've been an elite your entire life, and then some young whippersnapper creeps up on you, and they edge you out by two one hundredths of a second, and you and you don't go.
1: For the record, you have been elite your whole life. Just for the record.
0: So. I have been. You know who's elite is the Washington. No, you know who's elite is the Golden State Warriors. They scored what? 24 three-pointers last week.
1: Unbelievable!
0: <laughs> Against Oklahoma City last week as a team, Golden State recorded 24 threes in one game. And there's a look back at that. One game has more three-pointers than some Hall of Famers had in their entire career, which is a very skewed stat. Yao Ming has two. Shaquille O'Neal and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar each have one career. And I feel like those three-pointers are a symbolic – like they were symbolically letting Shaq take threes. Um, But it is a sign that the game is going a different direction. Would
1: you – if you were Shaq or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and you had one three-pointer, would you have preferred that you just didn't have any at all? Or would you be like, oh, I had one career? I think one you would want to have the
0: one. Uh, I was, I mean, I've been a big man kind of my whole basketball career, which was short-lived. But uh, I would I would try to make one three-pointer every season. And I would do
1: it. Why not? But Kareem played for 19 seasons and he had one for the whole year, for the whole career.
0: Right, because he sh- he needs to be underneath the basket getting the offensive rebounds. I mean, you just play to, your- you play to win. You don't play to get three-pointers. Uh, but now I think you have to play to get three-pointers because that's the way the game is being played.
1: Can I just say my favorite part of this show is that you put you, yourself, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the same big man category. I really
0: appreciate that. No, it was me and Shaquille O'Neal in the same category. Kareem, is a- he's a distant second to me and Shaq. We're both... Uh, magnanimous people. <clears throat> We're both big. We have a lot to say. So there we go. <laughs> All right, well, this is it. This is Sports Best. We did a show. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. I'm Andrew Valeri.